Hi friends, welcome to episode 44. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about how to book a tour from spreadsheets to playing the odds to follow up and to what your budget should be. Welcome to the Musician's Guide to Being Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. Every week, we have music industry professionals and top performers share their insights on thriving as a modern musician. Whether you're a recent grad or high-profile artist, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Karen Kibidez, CEO of Kibidez Artist Services, marketing and management consultant, educator, and professional saxophonist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, friends. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, I want to talk about one of the questions I get most um, as far as like tours and that is how to book a tour. <laughs> um, everyone thinks that it's this big like mythical thing or like it's only for, you know, professionals that have, you know, a job in an orchestra or in a military band or, you know, professors. Um, and there's just so many different ways to book a tour and so many different avenues and approaches that you could take. So I'm going to share what has worked for me um, and what I use in my management company to help my artists book tours. So it's very simple. Um, you, it doesn't have to be fancy, super time consuming. In fact, if you structure your time accordingly and kind of budget the steps that need to take place to make it realistic for your life, um, it's not going to be all consuming. You're not going to be sending a million emails and you know having your inbox explode. So let me just walk you through a couple of steps that I think will shed some light and kind of give you the clarity and the intention that you need to book a tour. So the first step is create a spreadsheet. And in this spreadsheet, we're going to have location, we're going to have the name of the contact, the email or the phone number, and then you're going to leave some boxes so we can fill in when we reach out initially, if there was a response and what that response looks like. So the spreadsheet can look however it needs to be. If you're not an Excel person um, or numbers person, you can totally do it on a Word doc. Um, you can do it on a sheet of paper, whatever you're most comfortable with. Um, for me personally, I like to start off with who do I know? So I live in, in Nashville, Tennessee. So let's say I'm booking a tour of you know, the, the South or the Bible Belt here. Um, I'm going to look and see, okay, well, what are the states that are touching Tennessee? Um, so I'd start off with the state of Georgia. Um, I then look into like, okay, who do I know in Georgia? What are some of the major hubs? What are the major cities? Okay. Atlanta, who do I know in Atlanta? Okay. How far away is it from where I am right now? Okay. Awesome. Find, you know, a list of people in that area, then start researching, you know, what are some other um, schools, venues, uh, bars, places, depending on the kind of tour that you're booking within that hub. And then, okay, there's another state, uh, the state of Kentucky. Okay, awesome. Like, who do I know? What are the universities? Um, who is my contact person there? And if you don't know anyone, that's fine too. Um, just look on, on good old Google, um, the name of the university, the trombone professor, the woodwind professor, whomever, the head of the concert series, the, the executive director, uh, program manager, whomever is responsible for whatever entity you're looking for. Look up their contact information. This might seem kind of tedious and annoying at first, but... Um, the more you get used to this kind of research, you now keep it and it doesn't often change as fast. Um, there's also other resources like Musical America. Um, in my company, we pay a yearly subscription of, I believe it's $150 and we have a full database um, by region, by state. Um, but this is also available on Wikipedia and it's also available on Google. So I feel like in, in today's world where we have 
internet and all these resources and communication is so much simpler. Um, you don't necessarily need to pay for all of these services. You can just Google it yourself and make your own spreadsheet, um, especially because, you know, you're not necessarily booking a world tour for your first tour. So just create a spreadsheet so you know who you're talking to, um, who your contacts are, and so you know where these people live. Um, the next step is budget. So this is the place where everybody fights me on it because it's not even about like making tons of money or, you know, breaking even or not breaking the bank. It's really about just knowing how much money you have to work with and how much money you need to request. So when I'm booking a tour for an artist, it's very easy for me to say, oh, the fee is this if they do this or if you want this and this, this is the fee or I don't know if they do private lessons. It's an additional fee. I have no problem saying that for other people. But when I'm like booking myself to speak, I'm like, um, I don't know. What's your budget? So I'm just going to give you like a, a really easy way to ask this question. And the only way to ask the question about budget and how much you should be paid is if you know exactly how much it's going to cost you to go to wherever you want to go. So being in Nashville, if I'm going to go, let's just say to Atlanta, I know it's about a three and a half hour drive. So I either need to rent a car, or I need to take my car, I need to calculate mileage, gas. So my car is like 35 bucks to, for, per tank. So if I'm going to get there, it's going to be however many miles, do the math, all of that. And then accommodations. Um, I don't recommend necessarily staying with the person hosting you. Um, I think boundaries are really important, but of course, if the budget doesn't allow, you know, figuring that out, but figuring out your lodging, figuring out your food, and then figuring out how much work you're actually going to do on this tour. Is it a masterclass? Is it a recital? Is it both? Is it private lessons? Um, what is the kind of work that you're doing? And then based on that, add all that time up plus your expenses, and then you have a figure. That is the number that you need to be compensated. And then I like to figure out, okay, well, what is the minimum? What is the, that number where I would break even? What is that number that I would like to get and I feel maybe comfortable asking for? And then what would be the ideal number? And then I have these three numbers to work with. So I start with the ideal number and then I work down to like my, okay, I'd like this number. And then if the budget doesn't allow or whatever, I work with the breaking even part, especially if it's going to be something that's going to help me advance in my career or pay my dues in some capacity. Um, what I notice some artists do, though, is because we're uncomfortable pitching ourselves, we immediately throw our sponsors into the mix. We're like, oh, my sponsor could cover my fee in case you couldn't. And the truth is a lot of music programs have a budget to spend. And I'm not saying that everybody has like thousands of dollars to spend. And if not, they go away. I mean, it's not like I'm sure you guys have seen that episode in the office where they have to decide between the copier and the chairs and Michael wants to take the cut. Like it's not that. Um, but there are some instances where there needs to be funds and they have to be spent. And there's booster programs, there's fundraising, there's all these things that happen. Um, and I know from experience that, you know, these band directors, these, you know, private teachers, all of the people want to bring world class musicians to their school to influence their students. So it's definitely a good investment on all fronts. So I guess the moral of the story here is make sure that you know how much it's going to cost you. From experience, I can tell you that I've personally gone and lost money on tours. Um, I've made some calculations wrong and forgot to include, you know, maybe the food stipend or whatever in the negotiation and it ended up costing me money. So just keep in mind that if you are going to go do something, um, you want to make sure that you're compensated for your time. And then if you are fortunate enough to have a sponsor, that is additional money that goes on top of you know, whatever the fee that is being offered. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend starting off with having sponsors because you won't often get the amount of money that you can. Um, and again, it's 
kind of deciding like what your relationship with money is and what does that look like? You know, for some of us, it is something that we do monthly. You know, there is a monthly tour, a monthly speaking engagement of some sort, recital, whatever. And that's just the part of your freelance life slash income. Um, so think about it objectively and logically, but the only way to actually do that is by having data. Hence the spreadsheet is, is huge. Um, so just make sure that you're filling that out. And before, you know, you book anything that you have your numbers down. So once you know how much it's going to cost you to get, to get there and, you know, stay in case you're staying in a hotel and food and gas and the whole nine, pick an anchor date. So this would be, um, so let's just say we're in Nashville and you're going to Vanderbilt University and Vanderbilt's going to pay you X amount of dollars. That is your anchor location. And then we have Belmont. We have Middle Tennessee State University. We have Lipscomb. We have all these other universities in the area. So once you have that big um, organization that's going to pay either most or if not at least half of, of your fee for your time here, then you can start adding other stuff to supplement that income. And then that becomes a lot larger. Um, that also gives you some wiggle room in the event that, you know, you want to present at an Ivy League, but perhaps there isn't a budget, but you have this other university that might not be as prestigious and they're covering the difference of your tour. So I'd like for everybody to think about their tours as a lump sum. So it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to go to Vandermill and make, you know, X amount of dollars and then Lipscomb X amount of dollars. It's more like for a week of work, traveling, staying at a hotel, eating, gas, the whole nine, this is the total amount of money that I'm going to make. This is the total amount of money that it's going to cost me to have this happen. And then figuring out what's called a profit margin. So again, if you're staying for a week, five days, and you have hotel costs and gas and things like that, that does add up. So just making sure that you're not breaking even or losing money on your tours. This is the key to everything. It's, it's the budget. Um, like I said, getting your anchor date and then building stuff around it. Um, and to be honest, um, booking anything is a numbers game. Like you can't, um, you know, send out three emails and be like, nobody wants me and it's over or like, oh, I guess I'm not booking this tour. Um, and also it doesn't mean that you have to send, you know, hundreds and hundreds of emails. Um, but as an agent, I can tell you that for me, you know, if I send 10 cold call emails, I'll get five responses out of those five responses. I might get, get in touch with two or three people. So I really just have to play my odds. Um, and you know, keep track. That's why having these spreadsheets and having this data will be really helpful because even if somebody doesn't respond right now, they might respond later. Um, and you're able to know who you're talking with, what's going on. Um, and if something doesn't work for this season or even 2020, um, usually someone's like, Oh, okay, well maybe my budget is different in 2021. So let me, let's jot you down for then and let's follow up then. And it's like, you have to keep track of all of this information. Um, as an agent, you know, I'm booking 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, I even have some tentative stuff for 2023. Um, so organization is definitely key. Um, and, and it really is a numbers game. You know, the more you do the, the greater odds you have. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is follow up is key. So I have a nonprofit background and also some experience in direct sales. Um, and, you know, it really comes down to that follow-up. So it takes 12 attempts to close a sale, statistically speaking. So people typically respond between the fifth or sixth interaction. Um, if you're a good salesperson, you can typically close a deal within like the eighth attempt or interaction with a person. So of course this doesn't happen in one week, in one day, in a month, you know, this happens over time, but you just want to make sure that you're not making this booking a tour thing personal. Um, and that, you know, any rejection, any, um, you know, maybe, um, 
strange response. Like people just sometimes don't even read their emails um, or there's typos or whatever might, you know, upset or trigger you that it's, it's really not personal. Um, it just boils down to the follow-up um, and making sure that you are communicating to people um, in an appropriate professional way, no matter what the response is. Um, so I run, I run as an example, I run some merch um, for, um, what a couple of my clients and I got an email from someone that had just ordered something and was like, when is this going to be delivered? I'm like, you literally just ordered it. Like I'm not Amazon, but I'm here and I'm, I'm going to send it right away. And at first it just like kind of pissed me off. I was like, like seriously person, like you literally just ordered this. Like why, where, where in the world would it be? Like it's, it's a physical product. It has to make it to the post office. You know, you live in the other side of the country. Like what is your deal? And then I, you know, I just responded very professionally and then the person responded back and actually knew who I was and, you know, complimented me on some stuff and, you know, actually wanted to bring me out to their school. And I was like, oh my goodness, had I like lost my mind or been a little snippy, like who knows? So that's also part of the follow-up. Like I've also seen, um, you know, some of my former clients, um, just reach out and, and try to book their chamber ensemble. And then the professor be like, actually, you should come study with me. You're, you're not ready or whatever. And you're always just like shocked and flabbergasted, but you really never know. Our music world is so small and it's so incestuous. Like we all know each other at some point or another through a degree or two of separation. So just staying professional, following up with people, um, and just being as pleasant as possible will definitely be the key to booking a tour. 